The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to the program, where today we take the next step in the evolution of how someone can become an extraordinary dominatrix with the help of a legendary mistress. But instead of me doing my usual introduction, why don't we hear from the lady herself and the program she's so passionate about? Mistress Damiana Chi, PhD, on what women and other wonderful humans want. If you're watching this video, you're probably seeking to hone your skills in BDSM and female domination to become the dominatrix that you know you can be. Femdom is an art form. It is a psychologically based art form that takes a lot of practice to master. There are some physical skills involved that you have to get good at, spanking, bondage techniques, and so forth, but those things alone don't make a dominatrix. Neither does being generally mean or degrading to all submissives. Have you ever wondered what makes someone a really good dom versus someone who isn't as effective? Have you ever thought about how to get inside the mind of a submissive to figure out how to easily make them melt and surrender to you? As a natural born kinkster and psychological thinker, I've always pondered these things. My name is Mistress Damiana Chi, and I have been a professional dominatrix for over two decades. I have a PhD in clinical psychology, a master's in counseling psychology, a bachelor's in behavioral sciences, and I am a certified sexologist specializing in kink-centered life coaching. I am also the founder of the Evolutionary Dominatrix Academy, where I teach women how to develop their dominatrix personas through my psychologically-based methodologies. The reason why the psychological aspect is so important is because BDSM is 70 to 80% psychology and the domination and submission part of it is all psychology. Having the right equipment, toys, and physical skills is only part of being an effective dominatrix. The skill of domination is psychological because you have to know what to say to each individual sub how to say things and when to say them in order to make them feel submissive to you. The energy exchange dynamic lies in the psychological DS play. Also, the most effective way to dominate a sub is when you connect with their personal submissive psychology. 
I have always had a personal fascination with submissive psychology, and I have been interviewing subs for close to 30 years. To earn my PhD in 2005, I wrote a 350-page doctoral dissertation called The Erotically Submissive Man. I've heard many stories from my subs about doms they have served. Stories about doms who were so sadistically cruel they didn't feel safe enough to let go and surrender to them. Doms who were so overly sensual that it didn't make them feel dominated. And doms who were so nurturing to them that they didn't feel submissive to them. And doms who were so aloof they felt no connection to them. And that is when it started to dawn on me that these doms could have all been more effective if they had a balance of all of these energies. The dominatrix archetype is what I call the quintessential powerful female figure who is multidimensional and well-balanced. Those whom she dominates will feel intimidated by her, attracted to her, feel safe with her, and feel in awe of her all at the same time. I've created this signature femdom methodology to teach women how to effectively dominate their submissives by cultivating and embodying the dominatrix within so they connect with their submissives in a deeply profound way. My teaching methods also involved a vast amount of submissive psychology, which is essential to the art form of femdom. If you are or aspire to be a professional or lifestyle dominatrix, and you are ready to level up your dom game, I invite you to apply to the Evolutionary Dominatrix Academy. It is a psychologically based, comprehensive, high-level mentorship and certification program in the art and mastery of conscious female domination. And it is accessible online worldwide. It includes ongoing personal mentorship and coaching with me and my team, and the opportunity to join the most amazing community of like-minded sister doms. Once your application is accepted, you'll be invited to access my special training webinar to begin your journey. See you there. And as always, we start with the first five, five questions about first for Mistress Damiana Chi, PhD. First time you thought about going to graduate school and why? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, um, I had been work, I worked all the way through college. I worked as an administrative assistant. And so it was, it was in the um, in a corporate environment, I had been there for like seven years or something, you know, I was good at it. I was good at everything. I knew computers, people came to me for, for to help, you know, design things on their computers or they had problems or what, I don't know, I kind of helped out in each department. I was been there for so long. It was a small company um, and it was something that I did as a, as a job to support myself during college. And then after I graduated from college, um, I just I just kept going, you know, kept the same job, kept going, and was getting really burnt out because it wasn't it wasn't my dream to to work as an administrative assistant or or even in that environment. So, um, and so I, that is when I decided to go to graduate school. Yeah. First time you knew that psychology would become a love. Well, that was during college. Um, I didn't really know what to major in, so I went in uh, with a major in landscape architecture. <laughs> uh, 
because I was like, you know, it sounded cool, it sounded interesting, but I didn't love it. I didn't love the work of it. So, so I changed my major to psychology because it was something that I had always been interested in, and and then it became it, it truly became a love during during college. So um, it was you know really fascinating. All the classes I just all the way through just kept my interest. Um, but you know, as college goes, you have to you have other classes too. You have all the other you know science, math, all the other requirements to graduate from college. Um, so when I when I decided to go into graduate school, it was really exciting for me to think about the fact that I would only be studying psychology. You know, all of my classes would be psychology. So, yeah. First time you had an inkling that you were going to become a dominatrix. Okay, an inkling. Well, <laughs> I was a dominant type of girl from always. But I didn't know, you know, I I was the dominant person in my first relationship, second relationship, you know, my, my first relationship was in high school. Um, I was 16. I had a boyfriend who was 17. And I'd always been dominant in that relationship, um, because it was who I, who I was who I am. But I didn't know about BDSM. I didn't know, you know, about being a dominatrix or anything like that. Um, but throughout my relationships, I kept, I kept up the trait of being the dominant one in the relationship. And then um, during graduate school, um, I had been working as a assistant to a psychologist. And that's what that's what I did to, to make a living while I was going to graduate school. Um, it was really didn't pay a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> for for what I needed. And then um, and then my sister discovered it. So my sister and I are, are we were we were known as the Chi sisters back in the you know the two thousands. Mm -hmm. um, so she and I were dominatrices together as a team. We were called the Chi sisters. She, she's Jezebel Chi. I'm Damiana Chi. But anyway, she before she be, she became a dominatrix, she somehow stumbled upon um, some guy who wanted to be her slave, and so. Mm -hmm you know, um, you know, I did a little air quotes here slave because she didn't really know what that entailed, but he ran errands for her. Mm -hmm. um, you know, did things like you know, he was basically just an errand boy. Um, and then um, we were we were living together at the time and we needed to move. And so she said, Hey, I'm going to invite my slave over uh, to help us pack to move. And so I said, Okay, sure, you know, and she said, but um, you know he's going to be wearing panties, and um, so just <laughs> just wear just put on a hair wear a, a pair of high heels and boss him around. So I said, oh okay, that sounds pretty easy. Um, and so so I did. Uh, here was this guy wearing panties in my living room, packing boxes, and I'd never seen anything like that before. And I was like, okay, interesting. <laughs> um, and then I didn't say anything to him, but then at one point I heard him say to my sister, Miss, may I use the bathroom? <laughs> and she said, yes, but you have to pee like a girl. You have to sit on the toilet like a girl. Um, and and then I, had, I hadn't spoken to him yet at, until this point. I, walk, I, I noticed that he, he left the door cracked open like a couple inches. So I walked over there, pushed the door wide open, and I said, you don't get any privacy. And that was the first thing I ever said to him. 
you know, really haughty and just um, humiliating, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and he looked really, really startled because that was the first kind of encounter that he'd have had with me. Um, and, and then I don't think I said anything else to him that day, but he contacted me later on um, on the phone and he said, um, hey, I think you really have a knack for this. Would you like to dominate me? Um, and I was like, well, I don't know what that means. Um, why don't we just talk about it? And um, I happen to have, I, I happen to, to have given a, been given an, an assignment from one of my teachers in, in grad school. This was during my master's program. Mm-hmm. Um, and the assignment was to um, pick a disorder, a mental disorder in the DSM-4. DSM is Diagnostical Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, fourth edition. Uh, and so naturally I picked um, sadomasochism. I think it was sexual masochism, se- mm. sexual masochism, yeah. Um, and so I said, let me interview you for this. I want to learn about it. I want to learn all about it from a psychological standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I, I, did, I wrote a paper, you know, had interviewed him, learned, learned about it. Um, I, there was nothing that I could find in psychology, like, you know, in, in kind of like the, the um, scholastic journals about mm-hmm. this in, in such a, uh, in an intimate way. Like I couldn't find any kind of intimate information about it. So interviewing him was a really good way to go. Um, and so alongside with writing papers about sexual masochism, fetishism and stuff like that, because they were all kind of like, they're different, they're separate little categories mm-hmm. of disorders. Um, I started playing with him too. I started playing with this slave, my sister's slave. So we kind of shared him, you know, we shared him. <laughs> he would come and clean my house um, and and he would give me $50 to clean my house. I didn't have a house at the time. I had a little tiny studio apartment, you know, <laughs> but, um, but he, I, I was thinking score. Wow. He's paying me to clean my, my, my house. Cool. And I could boss him around. So I thought it was like, win, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. And so then we would play. And then after kind of like, after we were out of play, um, scenes, we would talk about it and I would ask, ask him questions and I would just, just ask him everything that I was curious about, about being submissive. And, you know, this is something I still do. I still ask my submissives how they feel about this and that and how they feel during this and that activity and, and how they feel when I say this. And, you know, so I, I have always had a fascination with the submissive mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is why I went on to write a, dis- a doctoral dissertation called The Erotically Submissive Man. And that's that's what I wrote my my PhD dissertation on. First time you ever, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> first time you ever walked into the completed Chi Temple, looked around, and your emotions when you saw what you had built. Wow. Well, the the complete, complete, completed version is the one I'm in now. Um, I don't know if you want me to wait for the siren to go. <laughs> <laughs> I can answer it again. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. Okay. Go ahead. Still going. Okay. So the complete, complete, completed version of the Chi Temple is the dungeon is the, the studio that I'm in now. Um, so this is kind of like fifth version of the Chi Temple. You know, the first Chi Temple started off as a like one rundown 
studio apartment um, in West LA. Um, there were, it was kind of like, <laughs> um, I think they were like drug deal, drug deals happening on the, you know, <laughs> around the outside of the, you know, things like that. It was really, really sketchy, but, um, you know, all I had was a massage table and a couch and a chair. And I did, um, I think I acquired some cuffs and I had a fogger and, you know, that was pretty much it. Um, but, but, um, but now this is, um, 23, 23 years later. Wow. The dungeon I have now is is beautiful. It's it's just my style. It's elegant. It's it's red. It's um um it's really classy and it's very very well e- equipped. Um, I have been told that this is the most beautiful dungeon in LA, which um it's quite a compliment. That's a beautiful compliment. <laughs> <laughs> First time you decided you wanted to teach the next generation of dominatrix. Okay, yeah. So I had a good I had a really good maybe like 15, 17 years of just being a full-time dominatrix, you know, and I and that's all I ever did. I was full-time dominatrix, didn't ever do anything else on the side. This wasn't ever my side gig, it was my full-time gig and um and loved it and um and i think that that's why that's one that is why i have been able to come up with the methodologies that i have you know with in, in teaching female domination to the future to the next generation of doms um from my own kind of like in you know experiential um learnings and then just yeah, I'm a psychological thinker, so I can't help my, my the way my brain works. I I I I I create methods in my mind automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer your question, though, it there came a time where I felt a responsibility. Um, it was kind of like when I got to like a certain maturity level and age in my life, time in my life where I felt like, you know, I really must pass down this information. I can't not, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I had been told by my mentors many years ago, um, who I'm going to name, Sabrina Belladonna and Ilsa Strix were my mentors. I took Mm. um, classes from them for a year and a half. They were weekend classes and they called them the BDSM series, you know, and I graduated from that. And at, at my graduation, um, they pulled me aside and said, you know, you're going to have to teach this when it comes time. Mm. And I said, I was, I was, re- you know, I was a baby Dom at the time. So I was <laughs> like, Oh God, I don't know if I can do that. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just a baby Dom. That's how I, that's how I thought mm-hmm. of myself, you know, but, um, but eventually, you know, as I, as I became kind of like a senior in the community, um, I saw that there weren't a lot of teachers at that time. There was, there was like a stretch of like maybe uh, a decade or so of not a lot of mentors around LA and the BDSM community. And so um, I got together with my friend, Mr. Simone Justice, who also had the same 
idea at the same time that she wanted to teach. She was coming mm -hmm. back into the BDSM scene from being um, out of it for a number of years. Like she, she's also a psychologist. So she, um, so she was doing, she was doing her, her, her counseling work, her therapy work. Mm -hmm. And then she came back to the BDSM community and, and wanted to pick up her pro-doming again and teach. And so when she came back, we were like, wow, this is great, perfect timing. It's kind of like, it's been written in the stars or something for us mm -hmm. to do this right now. Mm -hmm. So we started teaching together. We started teaching workshops together. Um, so yeah, at that time it was called Domcraft. Mm. Domcraft, yeah. So we, we taught those for a couple of years and then she moved. She moved out of LA to Texas. So we kind of, you know, it wasn't convenient for us to do that anymore together, but I kept, I kept teaching myself. And at that time, um, we were teaching kind of like our material combined, like a mm -hmm. collaborative thing. So when it came time for me to teach my stuff, it was purely my methodologies. And that is when I started teaching the dominatrix archetype workshop. And those were my three day uh, weekend workshops that I started teaching. I started teaching those, um, I think like six years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, and then that, and then it, and then it, and then it evolved, <laughs> it evolved to like, okay, COVID hit, you know, and then I, I couldn't do in-person workshops anymore. So I had to transition over to an online, um, learning platform. Mm -hmm. And that is how the evolutionary dominatrix Academy was born. Um, so, so now I teach the evolutionary dominatrix Academy and do, I, I do occasional um workshops as well like i'm 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 about to announce my next three-day workshop um next week i'm going so i'm i'm <laughs> giving you the the insiders um you know pre-announcement that i'm going to be i haven't done one for a year because of covid oh wow so I'm, yeah i'm gonna do another yeah do another in-person workshop Mm -hmm. But it's it's just really it's so different and both of both formats are so valuable. Mm -hmm. When you do weekend workshop, you're you're basically you you feel really inspired and um, it's transformational. It's a transformational mm -hmm. weekend. You know, you're doing so much and um, so you feel all pumped up. But then if you don't continue that practice, mm -hmm. you kind of lose it. So that is why I developed the six month program which is online um, and it's a, it's a hybrid program where I, I have, um, where I, I teach live and I also have self-study stuff too that my students can learn on their own. Um, so it's a really, really special, special program. I have students all over the world and that, in that way, I'm really, really glad that I can serve more people this way. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have the online for that reason. And we're just getting started with Mistress Damiana Chi, PhD. We're going to talk about the Evolutionary Dominatrix Academy and also talk a little bit about psychology when we return on the show. We do this show without paid advertisers and provide it to you as a labor of love. If you want to help the show, as well as contribute to Catsuit's conference fund to get live interviews and teach some amazing classes, you can give at bit.ly slash thanks, Catsuit. Now let's hear from some of Catsuit's friends with some messages for you. 
Well, hi there, catsuit. This is Jacqueline Powers, and yes, I really am back, recording new hypnosis files again on YouTube, and also on Patreon, for the more adventurous fans out there. And John, I really enjoyed coming on your show so much, and finding out that you had your very own experience with my hypnosis files. So, if you want to learn more about how I got started with online hypnosis, all you have to do is just listen to my interview on the What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want podcast. The Heart of the Dominatrix Portraits and Interviews of Exceptional Mistresses. This book is about female domination. This book is about dark corners, both physically and psychologically. This book is for you, whether you're a beginner or have decades of experience with BDSM. If you're eager to learn more about power exchange dynamics or are simply interested in relationships and the aesthetics of this world, this book will change your perspectives. Be warned. Visit heartofthedominatrix.com to order your copy today. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. Recently, we put together a brand new book called Hearts and Collars, reflecting 20 years in a power exchange relationship. It's 350 pages of what we've been living for the past 20 years. Indeed, and it's got chapters like communication, power exchange and spirituality, how to be a leader, high protocol, becoming a follower, rituals, the new porch time. Victim, survivor, and thriver. Power exchange and polyamory. Submissive versus wife. The practical contract guide. Relationship short shorthand. As well as other tools and experiences we've had over the years. Check it out at eroticawakening.com slash hearts and collars. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. We invite you to connect with us on social media so you can follow all the great news about the show. You can find us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and on FetLife at WWWPodcast. And if you want to follow the host, that's easy as on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife, he is Hi There Catsuit. And now back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Honored to be joined by Mistress Damiana Chi, PhD from Los Angeles. I love talking about psychology when it comes to BDSM because I believe that that is what leads to the ultimate connection between two people. When you have, for lack of a better term, an intake for a new sub, what are some of the things that are the first things you like to ask him or mm -hmm. her? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I always ask what their kinks are, their fetishes, fantasies um, that they might have in their mind and um what type of dominatrix is in their fantasies you know what type of what 
you know, uh, what her attitude is. Mm -hmm. Is she very strict? Is she, is she compassionate? Is she very sensual? You know, I'll, I throw out these words to help them, to help me understand what type of domination to, to do in mm -hmm. my scenes. Because without that information, you just, you know, you could, you could really just be really off base. <laughs> um, I also ask what their limits are, you know, what, what are not in their fantasies. Um, so not only limits as far as activities, but limits as far as where not to go in my verbal, what, you know, what not to bring up and things like that, you know, things that might negatively trigger. Um, I also talk about, I also ask what does positively trigger them? You know, like, are there any um, erotic, I, I call them erotic trigger words. Do you have any erotic trigger words that you, you really get turned on by hearing? You know, so it could be like calling them bitch over and over <laughs> and over, or, um, or, or maybe they are a pet, or maybe, maybe they're, um, so, so for example, like I know, you know, I know someone who, you know, one of my subs who doesn't like to be, she's, um, she's she, she cross dresses mm -hmm. she doesn't like to be called um slave doesn't like to be called pet doesn't like to be called slave girl um all of those things don't don't erotically trigger her in a good way so we worked on it and worked on it until we found until i figured out for her that it's sweet girl Hmm. she's a sweet you know she's my sweet girl so um her, you know i call her sweet girl julia this is her this is on her little tag mm -hmm. um, and so that so that's an example of how how important it is to find out um what is positively triggering what are positively triggering terms and what are not so and then also when when i ask her fantasies you know what are your fantasies what 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 is your dominatrix doing in your fantasies Sometimes they have a hard time if, if maybe they're a newbie or something like that, they have a hard time describing these things. So, um, so I always ask, okay, what is happening in your mind when you masturbate? Like mm -hmm. that is the easiest way to find out someone's true fantasies, you know? So then sometimes they're a little shy <laughs> because I ask mm -hmm. such a straightforward question, but it's really like, let's get to it. I want to know so that I can find out what it is you truly um, desire, what really what you're looking for in the scene, you know. So yeah, those are those are basically basically my questions. As you move forward with your relationships with your clients, or as they become subs and some of them slaves, where do you where does it stop being what their fantasies are and gets to be what happens naturally? Mm. That connection that comes between two people mm -hmm. where you don't have to speak a lot. Negotiation, consent, always important, but that moment where you just have that synergy. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love it when it gets to that point. Um, so I, I have clients that uh, that see me infrequently maybe because they travel to LA and they only get to see me a couple of times a year or something like that. But over the years, you know, 
uh, over like 10 years of coming to see me two, three times a year, I kind of get to know them. Like, so it, it, it depends on the frequency. So it might take me longer to get to know someone like that and then be able to kind of like do something that I, that we didn't talk about. Um, but it's harder. Um, so the best, the best is when I can, when we can build a relationship where we're seeing each other somewhat frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have weekly subs that I see. I have some that I see a little less frequently, one or two times a month. Um, but even that frequency, when you do that, it does build pretty quickly, like over the span of maybe like six months or something mm-hmm. like that. It can build pretty quickly so that I can get to the point where all right, now I'm taking the reins and this is no longer a filling the order of your fantasy, but, um, but I'm going to do what I want now here, you know, keeping in mind limits and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And that's usually like the way they want it too. You know, they want, because most of the time they want to see a dominatrix because they want her to be in control. And so they're very, very glad for it to get to that point. And that's when there's so much freedom and creativity um, and, and, and relationship building and bonding. And the intimacy really, really increases when it gets to that point. I have heard from some people that kink is the best therapy there is. I've heard from others that say kink is not therapy. Mm-hmm. Being the student of psychology as you are, where do you fall in that spectrum? I definitely do BDSM from a therapeutic standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I teach my students to do it this way too. BDSM can be one of the most healing, um, I call it, it, it is a healing modality when it's done in this way. It's one of the most healing truly healing things that can happen. Um, I'm just gonna bring up an example of that, okay? So one of my subs who works in my, um, my academy, um, he, ha- he grew up in a, in, a Catholic, in a Catholic school. He had nuns as teachers. Um, and so he was in that environment all the way through high school or something like that. Um, and there was some trauma that happened during that time um, with a nun, like bad trauma, like Mm. just, just not, you know, he was, he was a boy under age and got taken advantage of. It's, it's horrible. Um, So very negative triggering things happened during that time that he wasn't, that he just kind of put in a box and didn't look at for a long, long, long time. But in recent years, he has been able to meet um, doms who are doing light work, I call it. I call it light work when you're doing it from a healing standpoint. And how you do it, the, how, how you do this is, um, okay, so I was trained in graduate school in psychodrama. Psychodrama is a, is a type of uh, therapy. It's a healing modality. It's a way that you heal. And how you do that is, uh, let's say, this is a, just a side, just a, as an aside, because I have, to sh- I have to explain this part before mm-hmm. I explain the next part. Um, so how you do that is that one person, the therapist, is going to play the person that hurt hurt you. Let's say that I, I'm your mother and um, 
I did something um, to hurt hurt you as a child. I said something verbally abusive or something like that. Um, so you being my client, you're going to play you as the child, you. And then I'm going to be your mother. But instead of me saying the abusive thing, I'm going to say a loving thing. Mm. So that in your mind, it's it replaces the traumatic thing with a loving thing. And then over time, doing that over and over and over, it heals. It heals. Okay. So so it kind of it diminishes the trauma and and it and it because the the healing version of it is gets bigger so that is what bdsm is that's what that's what i'm doing that's what um light worker doms who are light workers are doing um hence the name of my podcast called light workers who play in the dark um and so the example of my sub that i was bringing up earlier mm -hmm. he did a domination scene with one of my students who played a nun and this was all done over Zoom. I mean, this is how powerful this healing is. It can mm. be done over Zoom or, or or it can be done virtually, it can be done on the phone, but um, but she played none and she played up all of his kinks. You know, she, instead of him, so he was an altar boy when he was mm. young, okay? But she, she called him, uh, what'd she call him? <laughs> She called him an altar fuckboy. Oh boy. <laughs> yes, and that she was going to 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 uh, fuck the sins out of him. I mean, so hot, so sacrilege, right? But it was very, very in line with his fantasies, his deep hidden fantasies. Um at the end of it, she said, you know, I'm doing this for your own good. I'm purifying you. I'm cleansing you mm. by doing this, you know? And so uh, just, just as a little, I mean, it, it was, it lasted a lot longer than this, but it was genius. It was genius because he said that that was the most healing he had felt around this subject matter that was very, that traumatized him as a young boy, um, ever. Mm -hmm ever because she there was she she made it into a positive kinky hot scene and that that was in line with his particular kinks um and so now he's just like wow i think i'm ready to explore this more and and have more of these types of scenes to replace the traumatic one so i know that was a really long um roundabout way to to just answer your question, but it's it's truly, truly one of the most um, remarkable things that that can happen if you're doing it the right way. It comes from the Dom understanding the submissive mindset of that particular sub, and it comes from um, playing up the kinks and fetishes that that sub has um, and ending at a positive point. You know, she ended it as, you know, this is for your own good. I know it's good for you, you know, like that, that type of, um, and really you can do, you can do that with a lot of, all different types of fantasies and fetishes and kinks. So when you talked in the first segment about doing your paper and looking at the DSM-4, 
and talking about the fact that sexual sadism was a disorder and fetishism a disorder. Mm -hmm. And yet those of us who are in this beautiful world of kink would say that they are healing things to us. We think that the normal has no real meaning other than what other people perceive that normal is actually for us just the way we live. Has it ever been difficult knowing that the formal education is calling it a disorder, but we live in this world where we celebrate those same things as positives? Mm, well, we're at, at the school that I went to for graduate school, um, they were very supportive of me doing the dissertation. You know, they were totally on board with um, me exploring the healing aspects of BDSM. So I didn't really feel at my school, I picked the right school too, um, that there was any hindrance or um, any anything that's disconnect, mm -hmm. you know, in that. So um, is that what you... So sometimes there is a stigma to what we love. Yeah. We think of it as a beautiful connection that we have with the people that we play with. Mm -hmm. I totally see that. Some people see it from the sexual aspects alone. I choose not to because for me... It is that connection. It is that beautiful energy that is exchanged between two people that create the most beautiful of moments and the most beautiful of scenes. Mm -hmm. I agree. And to hear that the DSM-4 might call it a disorder, the fact is, since living my open kink life, I have never been healthier Mm -hmm. in my mind about how I see myself. Yeah. So um, let me, I'm, I'm going to answer your question a little bit better this time, I think. Sure. So um, the field of psychology as a whole does still view it as a disorder. Um, the, the current version that they're using now is the DSM-5, you know, edition five. And it's changed a little bit where um, they call all of these things, they're all listed under paraphilias. Hmm. You know, they don't have a disorder. They don't, they're not distinguished as individual disorders. They're all under kind of like the umbrella of paraphilias, which it's like their way of, okay, it's still there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so the field of psychology still sees it as like it's, it's a sickness. Um, hmm. And so that is where I feel, you know, th this is something where, where I want to get in. I want to get more into educating psychologists about BDSM because there's not a lot of information and education out there for psychologists about BDSM. Not mm -hmm. at all. That's, um, that's missing. And I'm, you know, I'm planning on in the future, if there are any psychologists listening out there, um, I, I would really love to come give seminars and give little workshops and things like that to educate about BDSM. Um, 
because you, you know, like when someone say goes and sees a therapist and they, they pick any therapist, most of the time they're going to pick someone that doesn't understand it at all and is going to see it as, um, something bad or something like, you know, I had an example of a client who brought it up in therapy with his wife, with their couple ther couples therapist. And she didn't know where to go with that. She was like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, you know, she kind of just pushed it away. Didn't want to talk about it. Um, it's a shame. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really, I mean, she wasn't horrible, but the, the horrible stories that I've heard are when, um, you know, I had a slave who went to see a therapist. I think it was somebody like in his health insurance plan or something, mm -hmm. you know, and in, she, in network, in network. Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so she, she said, well, you have a sexual addiction. She called it an addiction. She even gave him a book for sexual addictions and it really shamed him. Mm -hmm. And he felt badly about himself. He has a Catholic background too. Mm. <laughs> he felt badly about it for a long, long time. And I, and I, and I kept telling him, no, you know what? That's not true. It's not a sexual addiction. And he, he's, she's an authority, you know, mm -hmm. she's, a, she, I think she even had a PhD, mm. but, um, so it is a problem in the field of psychology and then, and then in the mainstream too, you know, in the, in, in society, it's still looked, looked upon as something bad. Deviance is bad, right? Sexual deviants are bad. <laughs> but Sick. it also bad. goes against the fact that so much of what is put on us by people who don't understand or are denying the feelings themselves is guilt and shame, which if you look at psychology, so much of it is about eliminating guilt and shame so we can get to our authentic selves. Mm -hmm. And when you're throwing guilt and shame on people who are wondering if they're doing the right thing, oh right. my gosh, are we hurt? Are some psychologists hurting more than helping? Mm -hmm. Right. It's a shame. Yeah. I think I looked at the listing of kink aware professionals for like psychologists or even um, psychotherapists in Los Angeles. I think I was only one of three or something. This wow. listing, I think it needs to be, um, you know, I, I think there's different levels. I, I, I put myself as kink knowledgeable. There were different levels. It was kink friendly, kink aware, you know, kink knowledgeable. There were literally three. Wow. So in LA, in LA, that's really surprising. That's really the only listing I know about where um, we can list ourselves. I, yeah, I, uh, so it's, it's, it's suffering. It's suffering. There, there needs to be more psychologists who, um, I mean, I'm sure there are psychologists out there who are kinky, right? I'm mm -hmm. getting a lot of them signing up for my academy. Um, we should really band together and do some education. I think the it's therapist that I had in Cleveland mm -hmm. actually said, John, you are happier when you engage in your kink than any other time. Yeah. So please go do nice. it. Great. Great. <laughs> Good therapist. <laughs> and, 
And we talked about King Bing therapy. It is the time that I feel a beautiful reality. Mm-hmm. When it comes to either restraint or it comes to uh, impact play, there's a beautiful reality that goes along with it to yeah. the point where you can push yourself. You can evolve to the point where you don't give up on things. Mm-hmm. And the more you can discover that you're gaining your own power through the submission to another, that just helps more and more every single time. Mm. And considering I picked it up so late in life, it wasn't some middle age thing. It was a fetish I'd had ever since I was a kid, but was not able to practice it. Mm-hmm. Now that I can, it's like, I want to be able to understand just how beautiful this can be. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that has been my journey. And yeah. part of that journey is getting to talk to wonderful people like you to help others understand just how beautiful this world is. Yes, exactly. And it gets more beautiful all the time. You know, like I like I said, this is my 23, 23rd year as a pro dom. Uh, I've been in it longer as a lifestyle dom. Um, and I have long-term relationships with my subs and slaves, right? And it doesn't ever like get old. It doesn't ever kind of get boring or dip into a, um, a routine. It keeps evolving all the time to get more and more beautiful, as you say. It just never ends. Like there's no end to it. It's wonderful. And it is. I, I see it as a beautiful reality too. It's a wonderful reality, you know. I I I believe in alternate realities. I believe that we there's that you can step into um, different parallel universes, and I I love thinking about this as a as a um, a parallel universe that is very very real, right? It is because it is, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and we haven't ever we haven't thought about it this way since since we were children. When we were children, you, you, you do little make-believe stories and, you, mm-hmm. and you're believing every minute of it, you know? But as you get older, you get disenchanted and um, jaded, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you stop thinking that way. So this is really um, a beautiful way to get back into that magical way of life. And like, there's a reason like, they call it play. That, that's correct. There's a reason they call it play. And the play element of it is, is very healing too, you know. You've heard of play therapy, right, for children, um, because when in play therapy they there's a they get into an an, um, an alpha brain state, you know, and um, and, um, and so that's what we're doing when we play. You get in a, you get into an alpha brain brainwave state, um, and and you get very. Um, you know, how do I describe it? It's an it's an alternative um, part of your brain that's being enacted. And you're kind of living in that part of your brain. Um, it's the part quiet. that brings you joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that part. It's the part that brings you joy. It's the creative part. You know, and um, I get very, I get very excited during scenes. 
Um, and my slave, like my one slave tells me, your eyes are black now, mistress. <laughs> because my eyes get dilated throughout different parts of the, 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 the session that we're doing. And so I get very, very excited, you know, whether on all levels, mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, and so it's, it's really, really cool. It's healthy for us too. It's healthy for all, for all that serotonin to be pumping through our brains and all that. We're going to transition from learning to teaching when we talk about the Evolutionary Dominatrix Academy, when we continue on what women and other wonderful humans want. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports, no, not the jet ski kind, and you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. You all know I love my cat suits, and the ones that have never let me down come from the amazing winter fetish. I've had some of them for 10 years, and they're still going strong. Specifically made for fetish play, these suits come in only the best spandex or PVC with zippers made for action. You've seen them in the House of Gord and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And now these suits can be yours. And if you use the code www.spandexcat, you get 10% off your purchase and you support the show as well. And as always, I give you this promo because I believe in what Winter Fetish does. So visit winterfetish.com and use the promo code www.spandexcat and get the cat suit of your dreams from Winter Fetish. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Hi there, I'm Nookie. My pronouns are she, hers, and I'm the founder of Dating Kinky, a different kind of dating and educational site for kinksters, 
poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Catch me in my own podcast, Dating Kinky. And now back to John and their guest on what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the program. I'm John, joined by Mistress Damiana Chi, PhD. Are you the headmistress of the Evolutionary Dominatrix Academy, or what is your official title? <laughs> I guess that is the, I would be the headmistress if I'm the teacher, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I um, I actually don't call myself the headmistress of my academy. I'm the headmistress <laughs> of my dungeon. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the, but that, that's also correct, I guess. Yeah. But this is a huge passion project for you. For sure. For sure. It is huge. It is huge. And it's so fulfilling. You know, the, the women, let me turn off the AC real quick. I just okay. Can I just pick up where I left off or? Um... Absolutely. You know, it's, it's so fulfilling to have the academy grow to the point that it has because the women in this academy are just amazing they are you know like i've had so far there's there's almost been 200 students that have come through the academy Um, not everyone goes through and certifies and um graduates and certifies because that's a choice you know you can do that you can do the requirements to get the certification and then i give you a I, i give them a um a certification they're certified dominatrixes uh but many Many of them have just gone through and learned, you know, the learned the material and then not done the certification and Mm -hmm. that's fine. But wow, I've had the opportunity of meeting just the most amazing women I've ever met in my life and in this community that I get to hang out in. Um, And it's it's zoom, but it's a real community, you know, we get to know each other very well because we meet every week, a um, couple hours a week, more, more than a couple hours a week. And then when comes graduation time, some of them do fly out for that. And it's like a family reunion, really. It's just, you know, everyone feels like they've gotten to know each other on a really intimate level because they dominate in front of each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, and when you, when you, do you agree with me? When you watch someone dominate, don't you feel like, and, and also submit, don't you feel like you've gotten to know a very, very intimate um, part of that person and you just feel closer to them? Mm-hmm. Because that's what happens every week. And um, yeah, they're just amazing. These women. I mean, e- even a certain picture can put me in that state. Mm-hmm. I know there was a picture of uh, a friend of mine, Tina Page and Dahlia, that was a predicament bondage between the two of them. Mm. where everything was on a pulley. So one person moving their hands would pull a hook on another or another motion of a knee would pull something else. Mm. And all my mind could think about was not how sexy they are, which would be how a lot of people would look at it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get in their head. Mm -hmm. I wanted to understand that when a wrist is moved one way, what it feels like to feel the pain of watching the other person feel it. 
-hmm. when you have two people that are gagged and are trying to communicate in a way that they work with each other but can't help but not work with each other we talk about psychology that is the part that i love so yeah. absolutely i agree with you i watched um robin wood who's a rather well-known person here in cincinnati with her sub and just the look of her eye as one eyebrow went up and twitched and she just started giggling mm -hmm. and looking at her sub who couldn't see her but you could tell that that emotion was going right through the vet wrap that was wrapping around his head and right through the duct tape that was covering his eyes. And you yeah. could tell that that energy was just pulsing through him. Oh, yeah. I, and I, that's what I love. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have often wanted to do content either for this particular podcast or for a documentary type thing where I go through a scene with a Dom and it's like you have the alternate audio tracks and you go back and watch it and explain what is going through your psyche and your head the entire time. Mm -hmm. What emotions it makes you feel. And to be able to hear that from both sides, I think would be a fascinating way for people to view what we do and understand that it's more than just a happy ending mm -hmm. or more than just somebody beating another or berating another, that it's just so much more. Mm -hmm. And I always sound like a hopeless romantic when I say it. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Like, let me know if you want any participation in that project, because I'm all about that. Um, you know, I have an interest in, in energy anyway. Like I, I've always loved quantum physics and things like that, but it's so, this is pure energy communication that's going on between Dom and Sub. Um, so it's beautiful, yeah. What is the most transformational story you can tell me with one of your students? One that when you looked at the application or you first met her, you went, I'm not sure this is the right person. And then suddenly <laughs> it was. Oh, I, I know the answer to that one. So Mistress Luna Experience, who, um, who I've known, she's a, She's a graduate from my from the academy, and I've known her on a personal level before she was ever Mistress Luna um, as my babysitter. She was a babysitter for my two kids. Yeah, we met. I don't know. Must be like seven years ago, something like that now. But um, I think she was a babysitter for a good six months before I told her that I was a dominatrix. And I don't tell everybody that. I think I told her because I could feel that she was open-minded and I was tired of lying. It comes to a point where I was just like, you know what, this isn't, I'm not really, you know, <laughs> what, you know the story that I said. Um, and she's like, oh, wow, that's cool because I, I've been a submissive. 
um, in the scene. And I've I've been a submissive for, and then she named a mutual friend of ours that we that we knew together. And I was like, that's great, you know. Um, so she was a, she was a submissive for this male dom who's a mutual friend of ours. And then um, she kind of like fell out of my life for a little bit, but came back in because she, a few years later she wanted to say, you know what, I miss the BDSM scene, I miss kink, and I want to, is there some, some way I can um, have a position at your dungeon? And I said, yeah, you can come and be a professional sub. Some, sometimes I need a professional sub in my scenes, you know. So she did a little bit of that. And then, you know, I would have her come to my Christmas parties and serve as the service elf, which was really <laughs> cute. I'd put her in an elf costume and she would serve the drinks and the hors d'oeuvres and things like that. And so she was a sub. She was known as a sub um, for, I think, a couple of years at the Chi Temple. And then she came to me and said, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to apply for your academy. I want to learn how to be a dom. And I said, all right, you can apply. Me and all of the doms at my, at the Chi Temple and the subs here all knew her as a submissive. So we were like, okay, yeah, see how it goes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she is one of the most talented, badass doms that knows and understands how to dominate a submissive. I mean, she is one of the best doms I know, seriously. And that's, and a lot of that talent comes from having been a submissive and having, mm -hmm. having very intimate knowledge of what that feels like. And so she knows what they want, you know? So I always recommend um, experiencing the, being a submissive on the other side. If you want to learn how to be a dom, have those experiences as a sub even if it's just once you know so yeah i did it once it was great it was with one of my mentors that's beautiful yeah if someone is interested in joining the academy what should they bring with them other than an open mind well um a commitment to really doing this you know when i run my my i do weekly coaching weekly coaching calls and when i see the same faces come week after week live on the calls i know that some people can't sometimes because of work or something but those people who are so committed who switch their work hours do whatever they can do to come live yes everyone can you know listen to the replays and still catch up with the um, the learnings and everything and still graduate. But when I see those people, the same faces pop up every week, it's always the same people. I think to myself, okay, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be successes because they're putting in their all, you know, and they're here to learn. There's something about learning in the live environment. That's, there's a little bit, there's more energy there than, um, than listening to the recording of something. Right. So, um, yeah, a commitment, um, a an attitude of support for one another, you know, su supportive encouragement for your dom sisters in the academy. Um, and just really putting yourself out there, challenging yourself, you know, because you 
you put yourself in, 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 in uncomfortable situations and push yourself and that is how you grow, right? There's some saying about you can't, you can't grow in your comfort zone. You have to grow outside of your comfort mm -hmm. zone. Um, it's, it can be nerve wracking to dominate in front of your whole class. You know, we call, I call it my fishbowl. <laughs> um, that's fishbowl domination. So, you know, you do it and then everybody watches. Um, it can be intimidating, an intimidating experience. But again, like what you said earlier, when you push yourself, that is how you succeed. When you push yourself in any, any way, that is when you grow. So, yeah. That's so beautiful. I want you to think back now to when you first had that conversation with your sister about what being a dom is. Think of the beautiful journey that you have had, and now you are teaching the next generation. Do you ever look back and just go, wow? Oh, yeah. I think, oh, my God, this is such a blessing. What a blessing that was that that slave came into my sister's life and then she introduced me to him and then I went on to write papers in my graduate program and I mean just like every it was it was just a meant to be thing it was a very fateful thing that happened you know we were destined for this and I just thank the stars all the time because this is the most one of the most beautiful blessings that I've had in my life. And now you're sharing that blessing with so many others. So the future of our community will carry on in a beautiful way. Yes, that is my vision. And I, I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. I'm bringing, I'm, I call it conscious femdom. You know, what I'm teaching is conscious femdom. And the more consciousness we bring to um, kink and BDSM, the better because you know the more education the more understanding the more seeing it as a positive thing um it's just going to evolve our community all for the better i've said this to only a few guests because it's so true we didn't even mention the word archetype except one time and that is a whole other almost episode of the show I hope that you will consider in a few months doing a part two with us because this has been absolutely fascinating. And maybe that part two can be, if I make it to DomCon, we can actually meet each other and be able to oh, talk yes. about it. Oh, I would be so honored. It would be my pleasure. Thank you, John. Well, the honor has been absolutely ours tonight. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. There are so many ways to be a topper dom in this community. I'm very happy to see that a legend is taking her time to make sure the next generation of dominatrix has all the tools, including the most important one of all, the psychology to create a beautiful connection. Here's what's coming up on the next edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Strap on your jetpacks. It's a whirlwind trip around the orbit of kink with the one and only Rob Rocket Arngard. Hear how our two shows may be the best one-two punch in kink. That premieres next Tuesday. Thank you for being with us on this edition. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And I remind you 
to always remember consent, and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast, and now select shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash datingkinky. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free.